0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network.
1: HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: The world is changing faster than ever, and you need a website to go with it. Whether you're a seasoned pro looking to build your following or just starting out with a brand new idea you need a landing page that's bold innovative and uniquely yours whatever your passion you need a web designer
1: with experience panache and heart we can't help you with any of that
2: hi i'm lou bank and i'm greg benson are we silicon valley tech visionaries no we're podcast hosts and that's basically the same thing and we're here to tell you about ancestral agave syrup
1: Ancestral agave syrup is the 100% pure nectar of the agave plant. Now wait a minute, you're thinking. I've had
2: 100% pure agave nectar. Well, not like this you haven't. That stuff is processed with a diffuser, which introduces acid. Plus, it comes from Blue Weber, a monoculture that dominates farms, depletes the soil, and won't help you grow your brand or expand your
1: e-commerce functionality. Ancestral agave syrup, on the other hand, is made by slowly cooking down the pure miel from Salmiana agaves in Hidalgo and Tlaxcala, two states that have been harvesting those plants for generations. It also won't expand your e-commerce functionality, but it will grow your brand, if your brand is
2: person who makes
1: kick-ass margaritas, or pecan pies, or pancakes.
2: Unfortunately, the families behind this tasty stuff are being offered big beer company bucks to rip out their agave and plant barley instead. Which would be a crime, because ancestral agave syrup is about as far from the processed stuff as 100% pure Vermont maple syrup is from that sticky bottle at a diner.
1: So, don't build a homepage from one of several easy-to-use templates, but do grab ancestral agave syrup today our first 25 customers will also receive a special limited edition agave superhero comic book so do not wait protect the land make better drinks and save the bats by grabbing some today go to wait what was that about bats uh yeah it's an important food source on the migration path of the mexican long-nosed bat huh yeah, the flowering stalks of the agave also provide protection from predators. Oh, well, that's cool. Should we get back to the ad now? Yeah, let's do that. Go to ancestralagave.com or click the link in the show notes to grab some
2: today. Ancestral Agave syrup. It won't help you build a beautiful website, but it will make your cocktails taste really, really good.
3: I'm Lou Bank. This is Aaron
1: Compos with Dark Matter Coffee. And this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award winning podcast that helps green gags, bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico, whenever I am blessed with the presence of Aaron, also coffee. Oh, <laughs> wow. Oh, you get all kitten-like. So, so Aaron, um, one of the things that I think a lot about, so, okay, so you're at Dark Matter, right? And uh, And you guys, like, a lot of the people who own Dark Matter and run Dark Matter are of Mexican descent.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, in the case of, you know, how we're sourcing coffee, uh, you know, me and, uh, Jesse have been, uh, you know, on the forefront of really sourcing coffee for the longest time. We have, uh, you know, uh, Kelly, who's been doing a lot of that recently, but yeah. one of our, you know, biggest, biggest, uh, you know, and most important things in our brains is sourcing coffee from the right people and knowing our suppliers. So it's been a really big thing. And me and Jesse being, um, uh, Mexican American, uh, it's a really big deal to us. And it does also affect how we want to do business. Um, you know, central America, South America, uh, and Mexico have been uh, really important to us cause they are our neighbors. So, um, that's really helps kind of shape how we see, um, the future of sourcing coffee for dark matter. Right on.
1: And and you source direct, and you pay really good money. You guys have been doing this. Dark Matter's been in business for, what is it, 13, 14?
3: Uh, 16 years.
1: Six, that's right, sweet, sweet 16. Scene. I was just at the party. <laughs> I should know that. Shows you how much I pay attention. So for 16 <laughs> years. And for 16 years, you've been trying to bring in a coffee from Mexico, right? Right now you primarily are sourcing your, your beans from Guatemala and El Salvador and El Salvador. So
3: Guatemala and El Salvador are our longest relationships. And, uh, with those, uh, they were really organic. Um, even from Federico was who's our oldest in El Salvador. Uh, we are, Oh my God. I, uh, 14 years now, something like that. okay, so most Uh, of your existence. Yes, Uh, you know, he's uh, taught us a lot about, uh, you know, the fundamentals of, you know, how coffee is grown, especially in El Salvador um, and, you know, the the general climate of that country. And, you know, I I think a lot of the roots of where we started to, you know, build our perspective on things uh, really started from traveling uh, in that country, uh, specifically because, uh, you know, When we were roasting uh, prior to traveling, uh, we were really relying on a lot of information that was coming from importers, coming Mm. from online, uh, coming from outdated books. And, uh, you know, we were just starting to realize we need to start to... Ask these questions and go and find answers on our own versus relying on information that's given to us we first, don't first
1: hand information exactly. not second, third, fourth, yeah,
3: yeah, and it's surprising uh you know while you know you have people that preach a lot of transparency, um you know you really never get that full effect until you see it for yourself, and you know at that time, dark matter wasn't even a thing we were just star lounge that was uh, you know, we were just starting the roasting company. Uh, we were paying out of pocket to go to these things. Uh, they meant a lot to us. So we met Feder- Federico, th- uh, because we were working with a, uh, a, a larger cooperative in El Salvador and, uh, you know, Jay had hit him up, uh, or Jesse for everyone else, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, had, uh, hit him up via Twitter. And, um, he was, he, um invited us with open arms to go uh see the beneficio and see his farms and uh so ever since then we've had such a wonderful relationship with him uh and as far as guatemala goes that was i remember that day so clearly it was blizzarding outside you know <laughs> we are really really adamant about making sure that we are shoveling our uh, sidewalks for customers but no. it was you know it, you know it's one of those days where you 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 shovel you know, in five minutes, it's already covered again. So Jay is now outside shoveling. You know, we're both kind of like in grumpy moods. We're like, what's going on here? I'm inside. I'm still making drinks. I feel exactly where this is headed. <laughs> and then... And then we have this uh, car. You know, it's like a black Escalade that rolls up. And then all of these people file into the um, to the cafe. It's at the mothership right below our feet right now. And... <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I start helping them. Jay runs in to help as well. And, uh, you know, they buy their drinks, hang out with us, taste everything. And then they, in, they introduce themselves, which is really classy, by the way. I really liked how they did that. Uh, and, uh, when uh, they told us, Hey, there, we have a f- uh, farm in Guatemala. We would love for you guys to come. We actually, uh, <laughs> heard about you because they were touring, a uh, cheese facility in Wisconsin, and one of the cheese producers there had such a great time at Star Lounge that yeah. he told us, you got to go to Dark Matter, uh, which I always use that as an example of a uh, really great customer service. You never know who you're going to meet. Yep. And I don't know who that barista was, but they, had, they gave uh, this cheese producer such an amazing time it connected us to a long-term relationship oh. in guatemala i mean it's uh that's lovely yeah i mean that's being kind really is a really powerful thing uh so anyway um we were happen we happened to go be going to guatemala uh, the following week uh and we were exploring coffees uh in the same region which they're in the lake atitlan region mm-hmm. in guatemala and uh we're like why not let's go that's a beautiful coincidence i know uh, really, really big coincidence. So, uh, we met up with them. We found out they're also cheese producers, hence the you know cheese uh, exploratory mission in sure. Wisconsin. And uh, we just fell in love with their mindset, uh, their uh, ability to think on their feet and pivot on experiments and. Yeah. Uh, a lot of like-minded individuals. Uh, you know that's where we learned how to do different fermentation experiments, which we'll talk about later.
2: And,
3: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know they have been amazing. So all the while uh, that we have been developing these amazing relationships uh, with the Bersanis and with the Pacas family, uh, we have been trying very, very hard uh, to maintain and uh, or create relationships in Mexico. Uh, for, for coffee for coffee,
1: because you certainly have deep relationships with the cacao
3: now right? yes uh which i you know i love that i love you know we've been searching so hard and putting so much energy uh and the coffee side uh of course organic relationships create all of these things on the cocoa side so that's been uh really beautiful for us um you know and we've had a couple different iterations of um of uh relationships in in mexico and unfortunately uh, they all ended um you know in uh you know very strange ways and it's <laughs> uh so i guess what i mean by that you know we've had a situation where you know we, we you know once something that's really important to us is uh being able to uh create sustain and have a like-minded individuals mm-hmm. in the same industry and be able to grow together uh to be able to have the discussion about pricing and quality and you know have a couple mezcals <laughs> together you know, talk about uh, what the future holds, have a lot of, you know, have a lot of transparency in, um both sides of things. Sure. And, and don't get me wrong, we've seen a lot of people uh, like that. But, uh, you know, when we are learning about uh, specific uh, places, you know, sometimes we'll get into situations where like Veracruz, cruise, for instance, we had a really amazing, um, you know, coffee experience there, really good coffees. Uh, and, you know, we set up, we made the contracts, we made the deals, everyone felt great about each other. We were super excited about this whole thing. And, uh, you know, contracts don't mean very much, uh, <laughs> you know, they're just, they're pieces of paper that we just signed, sure. you know, at that point, sure. you know, I'm not gonna send a lawyer to the middle, you know, right. whatever. Right. And um, we got outbid at the very last moment, right when uh, they were building that container. And they were like, eh, we're gonna send it to someone else. Ooh. But there wasn't even a conversation about it. So uh, you're like, okay, well, really nice talking to you guys. Um, and, you know, so that one that one hurt a little bit. But, you know, we understand. Uh, we also understand the, the, the climate of Mexico, and especially with coffee producers. Sometimes, uh, you know... There's been a lot of operating off of uh, this short-sighted situation where I'm going to make the most money I can out of this harvest because... because right. I need to. Because I need to. Yeah. And, you know, the coffee market's extremely volatile. I don't know these guys. Yeah, we had a great time with them, but I don't right. know these guys. So uh, I, it's not that I, you know, I, I think there comes a great deal of understanding and empathy for a lot of these decisions that were made as well. You know, another situation was... Um, Ellie Den, so Ellie Den was in Guerrero, Mexico. And this one was actually uh, kind of a heartbreaking one. Uh, We were working with them through uh, a friend of ours uh, who owned a importing operation called uh, uh, Tiger Orchid. Uh, And uh, we worked with him with a 15 member cooperative. So Hmm. usually with cooperatives, you see them um, much bigger uh, than 15 members. But these 15 members were all part of this small town and they were all run by families, and this is the first time, um, in a long period of time, that they were starting to really uh, hone in on and produce a legal uh, export. So uh, before that, they were in a climate perfect for poppy producing. So oh, oh. and they were making, you know, uh, and they were oh. making money off of that. Off of. It <laughs> uh, <laughs> will just stop. Yeah, there in yeah. terms of poppy. Yes. Okay. So, uh, and as far as that goes, uh, they all switched to coffee and started working on that. And they were doing naturals, which naturals, uh, when we look at, um, you know, in broad strokes, uh, I always think of, uh, you know, wash coffees, I feel like you're bringing out inherent qualities of the bean itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're looking at honeys, that's also in big, broad strokes. Uh, you're going to get um a lot of body and a lot of sweetness in the end cup you're saying honeys so that's a kind of coffee oh I'm yeah so washed uh, honeys and naturals are kind of like these kind of catch-all terms for uh the main pillars of processing coffee and they're ways to manipulate the coffee after it's harvested mm-hmm. uh to bring out different flavors so um i'd say most of the time especially coffee you're going to be looking at washed coffees as uh the primary source um but honeys are incredible for you know if you get a young coffee for instance we've seen producers that uh when you get a a, a harvest off of a young tree the acidity might be a little wilder and might taste a little greener you mm-hmm. know there might be some uh some slight uh you know defects in acidity or i wouldn't even want to say defects but just you know some wildness there and uh when you do a honey process what you're essentially doing is uh you are removing the skin of the of the cherry Mm -hmm. and you're exposing it to the sun to the air uh and the the it being the the coffee bean the coffee bean and this gelatinous layer of mucilage oh it's literally just the skin on the outside of the chair so you still have gotcha yeah the fruit yes exactly so uh what happens is you know with you know in terms of uh, what you need for fermentation is, uh, you need, you need, a, uh, air, you need, uh, moisture, you need sugar, sugar. Uh, and those things are important. Um, yeast helps. Yeast helps, <laughs> but that's going to be in the air. It's in the air. So, uh, you know, as, uh, with that, you don't really carry, uh, that, uh, process too far because the skin's gone. The skin protects the moisture and keeps it in. So once you remove that, it's exposed to, um, air and the sun directly. In ah. some cases, indirectly, but these are stylistic things for black honeys, and all. we'll get yeah, you know, different, different, different podcast. Um, there you go. And uh, <laughs> what you're left with is this uh, sugary, you know, residual kind of uh, almost looks like cracker jacks when you're done with them, and it absolutely translates in the final cup of coffee in the sense of like uh, getting more body and getting more sweetness, and then you have naturals. Uh, naturals, which, uh, in process are, someone is a simple idea, but one of the most difficult things to do well, uh, where you are taking cherries that are freshly harvested and you're laying those cherries out uh-huh. and you're letting them dry. So where honeys you had, the skin was removed. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you have these, ch- uh, cherries with their skin intact.
1: So skin in the game.
3: There you go. <laughs> I could always depend on you for that loop. Yeah. Uh so now that you have skins, uh, it's going to uh, – well, the skins that uh, – or the cherries that didn't have ruptured skin are going to have this enzymatic reaction with all that sugar and, and the flesh inside the cherry. So uh, I do this experiment with you know people that we bring um, to uh, coffee growing regions. You'll take a, a, something that's on the the raised beds that's drying the naturals out, and you rip open one of those um, cherries that I just described, and it's it just – Floral and light and just so amazing and just uh, just really soft fruit kind of characteristics. And then you take a cherry that uh, was ruptured through the process because they're not all going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, well, now it's going to be a long, long time drying them. You're going to you're exposing that juicy, sugary mucilage to the air. And now you're getting lactobacillus. You're getting a whole bunch of different wild yeasts. You're getting all these things that are now are creating um, acetic acid. So you might get um, a way sharper, uh, almost vinegary kind of a kick to it.
1: Sure. Well, yeah, uh, acetic acid literally is vinegar. Or exact, vinegar yes. literally is acetic acid, I guess is right. the right <laughs> way to say that. But yeah.
3: Um, and a little bit of that isn't, uh, isn't bad. I mean, uh, you know, if, if you get a little bit of that in the natural, like it just adds another beautiful, awesome layer. It's something hey, that we yeah. love. It, And I think there's, those imperfections really create a lot of beauty to the end product. Uh, and Ellie Den going back to that was doing that, uh, which we haven't seen a lot of people really only focusing on naturals in terms of, uh, coffee growing, uh, you know, producers, much less a community or a cooperative, really exciting stuff. We loved it. I mean, it was blueberry forward. I mean, it tasted Mm -hmm. just, um, really, really bright, really fruity. And, uh, we fell in love with that coffee and, um, we had a situation where, you know, okay everyone signs their names on every bag that we that we bring back you know and at that time we we're much smaller we we're probably buying about 60 bags at a time and uh, so we would separate every farmer uh, we'd put them all on a, on a spreadsheet uh, we would have our quality control department uh, do reporting uh, based off of who was signing what bag mm-hmm. and uh, returning all this data back to them just to, so they can see it I mean it was just, uh, something we wanted them to see from our end, so they can uh, be educated about the product. And you know, it was a really, really amazing relationship that we had with them. Um, but you know, being that they're so isolated, there's been um, there's been a lot of issues with uh, sourcing it, and there was there was a lot of issues with. Uh, getting it consistently in the sense that sometimes the infrastructure was completely um, derailed based off of a mudslide. They have one road oh. up and down. Ugh. So they were completely uh, unable to get anything down or up. And, you know, it was a community that was there in the mountains. Um, and eventually production on that coffee uh, really ceased to uh, to the point where uh, we just weren't able to source it anymore. And, uh, you know, it would be a really interesting... Uh, you know idea to r- try to find out you know where they're at at this point you know
1: go uh, revisit them yeah go revisit it, see what's going
3: on oh uh, no this is good oh
1: i'm sorry oh yeah. yeah oh yeah
3: yeah very difficult state to source from yes yeah so uh i would you know reconnecting with them would be an amazing thing you know and uh you know i think that for us and our our palates and what we like to see in coffees and having like a really broad flavor spectrum for our portfolio that was amazing and we loved the story and we loved working with them so Hmm. you know and so it's just it's been um you know fairly difficult uh but you know i think it's one thing that we really don't want to give up on and we want to continue to work with you know now that we're doing a lot of um cocoa sourcing uh it's really inspired us to uh you know now we have uh now that we know you first of all Going, uh, going to Mexico regularly has been much easier for us, and there's been much more of a focus on it in recent, in recent years. Uh, Are you, I just want to put a
1: fine point on this. Are you saying that this old white guy gets you down to Mexico more frequently?
3: It's our secret. Okay,
1: <laughs> okay. okay. it can be our secret. No. That's fair. We go to Mexico all the time. You man. do. You don't need me for that. <laughs> huh. So, okay, so it, it's more likely that we're going to start seeing some more Mexican coffees out of you.
3: Absolutely. We're actually sourcing uh, one right now off of a trip uh, that we went on. Um, you know, we uh, it, we just started this, and it's with Mahamud. And, uh, Mahamud is the name of the cooperative or the, the name, name of the, the town? Oh. Yes. So uh, working with them uh, in uh, Chiapas has been really amazing. Actually, uh, we are uh, we went there with, uh, well with you <laughs> and, uh, we went there with Rick Bayless team. So it's right been on. really, really fun to, to do that together. Uh, we're sourcing <laughs> that specifically to, you know, we're going to use it for some, uh, of our, uh, projects as well, but, uh, it was kind of our, uh, really beautiful union, uh, you know, working with the Frontera group to, to, to source a coffee together and work on it. I mean, that cooperative is actually kind of amazing. It's a big cooperative, uh, but they're only working with um, small producers that have, you know, two hectares of land. You know, anything bigger than that, uh, you know, they would rather just focus on those people that who don't really have a lot of access to infrastructure or uh, sourcing. So they're able to uh, re- rely on this cooperative that is uh, making compost, giving education to the farmers to increase uh, the quality of the coffees. And, uh, you know, it's been, uh, it was really amazing to see what they were doing. Granted, it's not a perfect cup, but, uh, you know, I, I think that, again, there's beauty in a lot of, uh, you know, the imperfections of uh, of a lot of these things. So knowing that it's a dynamic, you know, ever evolving, uh, always changing thing, even from batch to batch. I mean, Lou, the idea of Consistency in coffee is right. such, uh, you know, it, it's, it doesn't exist. The only way you can get really uh, true consistency is if you burn it all equally. <laughs> if you Right, or if you've <laughs> got Folgers in your cup. Exactly. There yeah. you go. Yeah. So um, that's really the only way you can get it. Other than that, I, I think uh, kind of enjoying that ride and seeing how coffees are evolving, whether it's going to be this perfect cup of coffee that you're buying, you know, at a really, really high premium, versus a smaller cup, they're all going to change. So
1: God, that's, that's beautiful. You know, so that actually, that gets me thinking about it, And we're going to wrap this episode because now you've got me thinking about another episode we need to do where we talk about the different uh, varieties of coffee beans and, uh, and how they change, not just, you know, from, from um, one variety to the next, but from one harvest to the next, which is so reflective of, of what I love about agave as well.
3: I'm in. Okay,
1: well let's <laughs> let's wrap this one and start the next one. All right, thank you so much, Lou. Right back at you, as de Pronto. You've been listening to Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Gring X bartenders better understand Agave, Agave Spirits, and rural Mexico. We're blessed with sound engineering by Roy Sierra and a theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Marco Ricos. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, well, I'm sure you'll let us know that too. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Agave Road Trip. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pit Bulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by SimpleCast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio, supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
2: Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at Facebook.com/slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization using the power of education educational storytelling about food to build a more equitable resilient food system. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you hear on Heritage Radio Network might lead you to eat, drink and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If you drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Drive responsibly. Eat responsibly too and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network- work responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive. Do not walk either. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to stretch every 30 minutes. If you stretch every 30 minutes, please stay within your defined stressing capacity. And consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you don't have a doctor, maybe Dr. Ryan Cox, the cocktail MD, can help you out. Thanks for listening.
1: Agave Road Trip. Out.